Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. I just want to start because, you know, I... I'm sort of intrigued to, to find out, you know, how did it all start for you in Greyhound Racing and, and more um, more specifically, how did you first start as a commentator? Yeah, look, it started from a pretty young age. I um, I used to have a, a horse racing game or a couple of different horse racing games, Gallup Racer and G1 Jockey. I think a lot of people that are in the racing game or love racing would know and, and would have heard yep. of those games. And I used to sit there as a kid being the jockey on the horse and I, I just found myself <laughs> commentating over and over and over again. And then sort of, yeah, like I played a game all night too and I lived at that stage obviously with my parents. I was only a kid and I was I was next door to, uh, to mum and dad's room and I used to just sit up all night racing this game and, and commentating. So I have to I have to give credit to them for, for putting up with me for, for so long. But um, no, that, that's sort of where it all began. And from there, I commentated off the tally just here and there. And I was lucky enough to, to get introduced to Paul Hammond not too long after. Um, and he said, come down to Cranbourne. I think it was Wednesday nights back then. And, and there's a practice box where you can call. And I did that for about a year, a year and a half. And yeah, it just sort of started from there. And, and before I knew it, I, I called a couple of races on air at Wangaratta at the old track. And yeah, I, I just, I still pinch myself to, to think that I'm a race caller now because as a kid, like the, the first time I spoke to Paul Hammond on the phone, I was, I was just blown away. So yeah, look, it's, it's extraordinary. It's something that, you know, I, I cherish and, and I honor the fact that I can call greyhounds and, and I've been lucky enough to, to call a couple of Melbourne Cups as well, which has been great fun. Yep. When you first started, um, like when you first got the opportunity to call races, did you sort of instantly think, yep, this is what I want to be doing? Oh, look, to be honest, I, I knew from a really young age. Like I, I was probably lucky in that sense. I knew when I was about 13 that that's what I wanted to do. So yep. um, going through school, like sitting there, I did VCE and sort of sitting there in, in, you know, year 11 when I was about 17 and year 12, even the maths teacher would say, look, James, you can you can nick off to the library if you want and uh, do your study out there because you knew I, I had better things, you know, you know that I was I was wanting to do. And, yeah, I just I just, just knew from such a young age that I love racing, I love sport, um, and, and to be a commentator, look, it's not even a job. It's You're getting paid to do something you love, so it's, yep. it's just amazing. I, um, I sat at home once, oh, this is like 10, 20 years ago, and thought, yeah, yeah, I've never ever tried to commentate a race in my life, and I reckon I rewound the tape about twenty five times, and I'd only got two dogs' names right. So I was like, I'm certainly not destined for this uh, for this industry. But you know, I know this is a really sort of out there question, but is it hard? Like, do you find it hard at any time? Oh, look, there's definitely times when it's hard, but I, I think the most important thing, look, I think to some extent you have to have some natural ability to be a race yeah. caller. You, you, it just has to happen in, in a sense. But I think the biggest thing is continuity. So if you want to be a race caller, don't do it once or twice and give up. Just keep going. Keep doing it time <laughs> after time and, and it just becomes more of a rhythm and, and, yeah. and then you find the way to, to race call. And look, I, I was calling Cranbourne, I think it was oh, it was Saturday or Monday this week and that no, was a Saturday morning meeting um, and they had that real morning glare. The sun was coming up behind the track and, and, and to be honest, leaving the batch straight, I couldn't see the colours. They just all looked exactly the same. Oh, so that, that was a bit of a nightmare. There's always yep. challenges and... That's one thing I love about race calling, though, is because you never know really what you're going to get. 
And so uh, you go to work going, oh, I hope everything goes smooth as a race caller, but yet you never really know what's going to happen. Yep. And, you know, like I've spoken to a few commentators now and, you know, some some people say, uh, like Dan Russ said, yeah, he likes to learn the name sort of thing in the couple of days lead up. You know, I saw the great Paul Ambrosoli live. He learnt the races literally 30 seconds before they were about yeah. to jump, which blew my mind. What's, um, what's sort of your style of how you learn the names? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm probably a little bit similar to PA in that sense. I, I like to remember them just race by race because I think you don't want to be thinking too much about a, a dog in a certain rug for a race. You know, that may not be that race. So, look, you obviously do the form for a, a meeting, you know, in the lead-up. But I think colours-wise, I think it's best to – well, for me, I find, like, everybody's going to be different. But I find that sort of, you know, a minute before you, you have a bit of a scroll through them. And, and, and I always keep a little form guide in my hand through every single race, whether it be the gallops, whether it be the dogs – whatever it might be, where I can glance down. And normally when there's a greyhound that's torn away and it's clearly going to win, I'll just take that glance just to make sure 110% that I'm calling the right dog. So, yeah, that's just a little habit I got into from an early age. Yeah, nice. So you were saying before about, you know, your, your couple of Melbourne Cups that you called and, you know, probably I'm a bit biased, but the, the one that sticks out to mine was, you know, the, the Whiskey Right one in 2019. And, you know, I love it when commentators sound genuinely excited by what's just happened and, that just sort of, you know, that spilt over in that call. Like, you know, was it exciting for you as, as what it came through on the TV? Yeah, look, to, to be honest, it's it's surreal to, to be the race caller of such a such an amazing race because it, it's it's not even just the fact you're calling the Melbourne Cup. I think, I, look, as a, as a bit of a, you know, a, a trainer and an owner and a breeder as well, you realise how big this moment is. Yep. Um, and, and, for example, when Anthony has a party, won it with Whiskey Riot, like, that, that is the lifelong dream of, of anybody involved in the racing industry, I feel, whether it be in the gallops or in the dogs. You, you, you dream, in my opinion, of winning a Melbourne Cup. It's just it's just got this, you know, prestige about it that everybody chases. And, and to be honest, to be the, the voice calling that race, you, yep. you just want to do the race justice. But, oh, fuck, I was so bloody nervous before well, that, that be first one Melbourne Cup. And, and, and the, <laughs> the funny thing is, right, where we are in the broadcast, we're about five metres before the line. Right. The, the sky footage that you see when you watch the race is five metres past the line. So the actual line is, is somewhere in between where I'm standing and where the, the footage is. So it can be really deceptive because sometimes in a photo finish, you look at the TV and go, oh, it's clearly one or the other. Yep. And then where I'm standing, like what I see when I'm live is completely the opposite to what you see on the TV. And right. that was a bit of a case with that with that Whiskey Riot photo finish. And I thought, oh, gee, did I have to get a close Melbourne Cup first go? Like yeah. I felt, I felt pretty up there. <laughs> I was only watching the replay before, and you're like, I think it might be the dream for Anthony, and you're like, Yep, it is. As soon as the number yeah. went in the frame. <laughs> nah, look, it was it was an extraordinary feeling, Dimity, and, and and to to be a part of it and to call it. And look, as a kid growing up, I used to go to my uncle's place with my old man on a on a Thursday night, and. Uh, stand out park for racing obviously back then and obviously when it was Melbourne Cup night I'd, I'd be glued to the radio in the corner of his land room just listening to, to race after race and yeah to, to, to think now that I've, I've actually called a Melbourne Cup it still almost doesn't feel real and, and yep. I've done two of them so <laughs> just just very very blessed to, to, to have done what I have. Yep other than the Melbourne Cups you know which obviously is one of if not the biggest race um, in the country are there any other particular races I mean they don't have to be big ones that have stuck out in your mind that you've called so far? 
Oh, look, I, I definitely have a soft spot for the, the Sandown Cup. I think that, that was, you know, a good 12 years ago that I called my first Sandown Cup and I was only a, a young kid with a, a very, very funny voice and <laughs> I, I, I got out there and had a go and it was Bobby Boucher and, and I listened back to the oh, call yeah. and I just, I, yeah. I cringe at the call, but, um, you know, back back then it, it was just incredible. I think I was only about 19 at the time and to, to commentate a, a Group 1 Sandown Cup at that age, I, I, yeah, it's, it's just mind-blowing and, and I'm, as I say, just so grateful. And one thing I, I definitely try not to do is, is take it for granted. So, no, it's, it's been a, a great journey race calling, that's for sure. Yep. And, you know, I suppose like up here in New South Wales, we've got the million dollar chase. But, you know, with the Phoenix coming up as well, I mean, it's just added, you know, another big race that, you know, race calls will aspire to, to call because it's going to be a phenomenal field. Yeah, you're not wrong, Marty. It's definitely going to be an exciting series, the uh, the Phoenix. And, 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 and here in Australia, right, look, I don't know if I'm just being a little bit biased because they're my colleagues, but we have some of the, the best race callers going around. Obviously, Paul Ambrosoli, you know, past race caller, Timmy Newbold, who's, who's just hung up the binox as well. And, and down here, Robbie Tester in the Greyhounds, Paul yeah. Hammond, uh, Ronnie Hawkswell is just a marvel. So, you know, there's, uh, there's fierce opposition, I guess you could call it. But, uh, no, look, it's good to be, you know, a, a colleague of, of those great callers. And even that, when I was a kid, like listening to Ronnie Hawkswell, when he was the reason I, I wanted to get into race calling because I was watching the, the shootout, I think this was early 2000s, um, and Whiskey Right went, uh, sorry, Whiskey Assassin. And how, how yep. funny is that? My first Melbourne Cup is Whiskey Right. Yep. And yep. the reason I got involved is, is Whiskey Assassin. He he went around the outside and, and down the back straight. I'll, I'll do my best Ronnie Hawkswell impersonation here. He goes, <laughs> down the back straight, the heavy artillery's out, Whiskey Assassin around the outside. And and right then, what he just did, I was just amazed. And I said, I want to be a race caller. So yep. that probably answers the question that you, you posed to me earlier. That, that was the moment I wanted to be a race caller. Yeah, nice. Now, you know, it's probably a hard question to answer, but are there any, um, you know, whether it's past or present dogs that you've sort of um, had a soft spot for? Oh, Simon's old Helen was, was yeah. one. I, I just I, I saw him from a really young age and I was working on the, the Thrill of the Chase broadcast, um, the, the free-to-air coverage we have down here from, from GRB. And um, I think it was after his first start at Warnable, he won a maiden down there. And I got on, um, or it wasn't too long after that maiden, sorry, he won a race, I think it was the, the Cup Night Sprint at, at Sandown Park on Melbourne Cup Night. And I got up in front of this plasma doing the, the analyzer, as we called it, and I said, this is going to be a superstar. Greyhound, like he is going to win Group Ones, and and he went on to, to do that and just had an incredible career. Uh, and, and he he's definitely one of my favourites. And, and Fernando Bale, like Greyhounds like that, they, they stand out. They're just something special. And yeah, there, there's been a fair few of them here in in Australia, here in Victoria in particular. And I think we're just blessed to see them go around and do their thing. Yep. And just going back to what you were saying about the thrill of the chase. I mean, you know, I pinch myself all the time when I think that we have Greyhound Racing now on free-to-air. You know, the Million Dollar Chases race is broadcast up here on free-to-air. And, you know, when I was growing up, I used to say to Dad all the time, Dad, why aren't the dogs on free-to-air? How come it's always the horses? And he goes, oh, you know. And to think now, all that, you know, all that 20-odd years later, here we are with Greyhounds and, you know, through all the chase on free-to-air. It's just unbelievable. How good is it? Yeah, look, and I think credit has to be given as well to the, the bodies, you know, whether it be GRNSW or GRV to, to make that happen and, and to showcase our great product because more and more people are falling in love with, with Greyhound Racing. And I think there are so many different reasons why. Obviously, because 
at the end of the day, they are just dogs. So, you yeah. know, we all have a, a dog or, or know someone who's got a dog in the backyard and, and they are such beautiful animals as well. And, and I fell in love with the greyhound really in a way before I fell in love with, with racing. So, you know, for, for, for that side of things, it's, it's great to, to let people see inside our sport and, and get to know how wonderful it actually is. And I think doing that free to air is obviously the, you know, a, a great way to do that. Now, going to the other side of your involvement in the sport, your training side, you, yourself and your beautiful wife are having terrific success. I mean, what do you get? What's the, I suppose I pose the question, do you get more nervous commentating or waiting for one of your dogs to race? <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit of both, actually, when you're commentating <laughs> and they're racing and that race can be a little bit tricky. But uh, look, I, I always say when it, when it comes down to a greyhound that we've got racing and a race that I'm commentating, I, I honestly just try and forget that, that they're our dog in a way. Like, obviously, you, you can't completely forget, but you have to yep. just call the race as is. And my, my theory is once the race has been finished, it's complete, um, we give all clear. I can go back and watch that replay 200 times if I want to. So that's sort of yep. the way I look at it. It's obviously exciting when they, they do hit the lead and they, they do look like they're going well. And the, the one thing I've tried to be is, is really even in the sense that if I'm calling one of our dogs and I think it's impressive, I'll say it's impressive. I'm not going to hold back. Yeah. If it's disappointing and it's a dollar ten fave and it's disappointing <laughs> and it gets beaten, I'll say it's disappointing. And <laughs> I, I just try and treat them the same as, as everybody else. And we have been lucky to, to have a little bit of success up the straight. And, and, and it probably winds back to when I was a, a pretty young little fella as well. I used to go to my uncle's place, as I said earlier, and back then I think it was the Greyhound recorder that was a, a paper a yep. paper form yeah um and i used to sit there and there was a little section at the back with the class of fields dogs for sale um and i used to go there and, and pretend that i've bought this dog and then i'd go home and <laughs> i'd get the uh, the calendar from from grv and and go through and just pretend where i was going to run this dog so I guess you could say I've always wanted to be a broadcaster and I've always wanted to, to train a couple of dogs. So I am pretty lucky to be doing both with uh, with my lovely wife as well. Yeah, nice. And how do you find the, the training side of it? I mean, you know, a lot of people say, um, you know, they struggle sometimes to juggle work and training and that sort of thing. But, you know, yeah, obviously you've got your wife to help you. But how do you find the training side of it? Yeah, to be honest, I, I really, really love it. Um, I, I love being around the dogs, and and um, we we only have a small kennel. We only sort of train four or five at a, yep. a time. I'm a little bit OCD in the kennel. I can't handle footprints, so I'm working twenty four seven and things like that. But you know, and, and that's one thing. I, I don't want to take on too many dogs with my wife. So you yep. know, I just want to make sure we're giving them the, the best pe- best care we possibly can, and, and the best chance to succeed on the racetrack. So hence, we don't have too many. But yeah, look, and, and I'm probably lucky too in the sense that with race calling. If I am, for example, to go to Bendigo to commentate and, and one of the greyhounds needs to trial at Bendigo, well, they have the trial kennels on track. So you can give them the, you know, especially a young dog, you can give them that experience of being in kennels. And, yep. and, and sometimes it, it can work really well when, when the, the two, I guess, uh, careers come together, which, you know, I'm lucky to, to have that. And if, for example, if I was working, you know, retail or something like that, well, then it yeah. would be a lot harder because you can't sort of, you know, bring the two together. Yeah, sure. Now, do you guys um, breed or, or do anything else or do you just train? Yeah, look, we, we, we haven't bred for about, um, oh, it's almost four years now, but we've got a couple of greyhounds from our line that are racing in New Zealand at the moment. Um, Van Evie and Van Dindy are probably the, the two best of those. Van Dindy won a, a heat of the New Zealand Cup a couple of months ago. So yeah. they, they, they've been our long-term plan to breed. We went to Kinloch Bray, getting a bit of an outcross to, to then hopefully open the door to use more sires, um, with these two girls. So we, we've had a bit of success without, you know, great success. One of the greyhounds 
we bred was Billy's Bake, who ended up winning a, I think it was a, a, a Group 2 or a Group 3 in uh, in New South Wales. It may well have even been a Group 1, and I, I probably should know that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, we have had some success, but um, hopefully some more to come. Yeah, nice. And and just um, to finish off, I mean, I, I ask most people that I talk to this question because, you know, my ultimate aim is, you know, just to try and get, you know, exposure for, for all different sorts of, um, you know, aspects of the industry and to encourage people because I know particularly talking to young people, they're, you know, sometimes a bit shy or a bit intimidated. So, you know, for any, you know, whether it's a trainer or a young budding race caller, what would be, you know, a bit of advice you could give that to them if they're looking to break into the industry? Yeah, as I said, Dim, I, I do listen to the podcast, so I do know this question and I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a ripper as well. But, um, no, look, I, I think one thing is, and a, and a lot of people I think say this, is, is to just have a go and, and really go for it. If you if you, if you you want to get involved, I think that the best way to do so is, is find a mentor in some way, whether it be race calling, whether it be greyhound training, because, yeah. for, for example, when I first started, I had Paul Hammond as a, as a massive mentor. I was then offered a, a trackside assistant job um, with RSN 927, the radio network down here in Victoria, to uh, to work behind Greg Miles doing sort of a, a tech job um, at Metropolitan Races, the Thoroughbreds here in Melbourne. And that, that time was, was absolutely invaluable. You know, I, I'll always look up to Greg Miles as just being, you know, such an incredible caller, so professional, so precise, and, and he, he had such a wonderful career. And he, he was... He, he, He's not a massive man, but yep. what he could project voice-wise was just extraordinary. And I think I'll be forever working to, to try and be 10% of, of what Greg Miles was. So, you know, I think it's really important to, to try and get somebody or a group of people that can help mentor you with the, the knowledge that they have. And, and from a training perspective, you know, I, we've been so lucky. We're, we're close with people like Ash Terry, who's helped me out so much, and, and my wife as well, and, and Stephen White, you know, who's a, who's a wonderful trainer as well. So to, to have that, that mentoring and, and mentorship, I think, is really important. But the number one thing is is give it a go. You're going to have your ups. You're going to have your downs no matter what it is. But especially in this crazy world we're in now, just, yeah. just keep keep on keeping on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look. And, you know, I I was, oh, I had this six months in, in the works to come down for the Melbourne Cup, but I don't like my chances. I think they're getting slimmer and slimmer now, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not looking great. And, and like you said earlier, Tim, that you, you're thinking about, so you had a go at race calling, maybe you should get back into it because, you no. know, it, it could be something for you. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not not with this, um, this uh, Hunter Valley Hicksville voice, as I call myself, I don't. <laughs> don't think people are going to want to listen to that so not unless they want to wait 25 times for me to actually call the race properly so um yeah no i'll probably uh just stick to being an owner that's um that's the easiest job i think in the world <laughs> no nah, it sounds, sounds like a plan but uh and if you if you want to follow one of ours as well we, we should have a couple racing on when, when do you think this uh this podcast will go to air Jim? um tonight <laughs> You're quick. Yeah, um, I know. We, I don't muck around. A, I'll give you a couple of tips for a few that we've at least got running, whether or not they're tips. You know, they might be worth following. But, no, I'm um, happy. Go for it. Charlie's, yeah, Charlie's jar going around um, Sunday in the, the grade six and seven final at Hillsville. And yep. uh, look, we both rate him to be a pretty good chance. Um, Ash Dwyer, uh, a, a very lovely fella up yes. there in, in Canberra, sort yep. of, uh, he, he sent a few dogs down to us and, you know, I think he's a he's a really big chance. He's, he's starting to really take to straight racing, so I hope he'll go well. That's on Sunday with the, the heats of the cup, and we have uh, we have a couple of dogs for Ray Border as well. And, oh, beautiful! You know, it's, it's it's great to have someone like Ray back us yeah. in and, and train a couple of dogs for him. And um, we've got a, a nice type. He's a, he's a challenging dog to to try and get right, but. Um, <laughs> 
Aston Latham is his name, so he might be worth keeping an eye on. I think he can end up being a, a really good dog, you know, given that he stays sound. He's, he's got a big motor and, and he trialled absolutely flying there on, on Monday. So hopefully next Tuesday um, he'll be in and, and hopefully he can run well. Nice, beautiful. Oh, look, well, thank you so much for your time. It's a terrific insight, you know. Um, th- well, this I've noticed there's lots of great young, you know, commentators and analysts mm. out there coming through. So, yeah, it's um, a great insight you've provided and, yeah, yeah, look, I won't say see you in November because it's probably not going to happen, but maybe next year. I might see you in November well, next year. I reckon the, the safe thing to do, Dim, is, is probably plan it for, you know, November 2035 or something like that because then you won't be disappointed. Oh, my God, I'll be shit old by then. Jesus. <laughs> No, we'll see how we go. Hopefully we see you this November. Who knows? They are saying in the gallops there's going to be crowds, so maybe, just maybe, we can have crowds at the doggies as well. Yep. No, sounds good. Look, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl Podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.